0: Welcome to Practice Care with Carl White, the podcast where we help practice owners in healthcare know just enough about the business side to make good business decisions and keep their practices independent. Now our host, Carl. When your practice is growing, you'll need to add more staff or start hiring staff. And while great staff can make the dream work, all staff members are an expense. Do you truly understand the financial view of hiring staff? My guest today does, and he advises his clients on staff expense and a lot of other business financial issues so that his clients can grow profitably. I'm Carl White, Principal at Mark Advisory Group, which is a healthcare marketing agency, and I'm also the host of Practice Care. The mission for both is the same, and that's to help private practice owners stay private. Not only is that what they usually want, but care is better when the provider owns the practice Because that's when they're going to have the most freedom they're ever going to have to make the clinical decisions they think are best. Unlike when somebody else owns them, usually, occasionally, sometimes, usually, their agenda starts to creep into the provider's ear. So let's just try to keep all that out and help them stay private. My guest today is Ken Weil. Ken is president of Consult Your CFO, which is a fractional CFO firm, CFO meaning chief financial officer. Ken has more than 30 years of experience in corporate accounting and financial management consulting. He's served as a chief financial officer, controller, and project manager. He has experience working with both small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, and he's been involved in the integration of mergers and acquisitions, bringing order and structure to disorganized accounting departments, that sounds fun, and training and developing accounting staff to perform above their basic functions. Ken, thank you for coming on Practice Care today. Thank you for having me, Carl. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is going to be a, a very interesting one um, for a lot of reasons. But before we get into the to the meat of the topic, I want to start where I start with every guest. Tell us more about you, more than your bio can tell us. It had to be short. And, and I'm usually curious how somebody got into the line of work that they're in. But help us get to know you a bit better.
1: Yeah. So uh, I went to college in Michigan State. Okay. Uh, went, was at the, in the time, it was in the 80s. So the brokerage business was... Uh, growing, mergers and acquisitions were uh, gaining a lot of traction in that time. Um, So I went the finance route at Michigan State. Uh, As I built up in my finance area, I was recommended to get a lot more into detail of accounting uh, because everybody needs to scrub and analyze uh, the information. Mm -hmm. So as I moved on uh, through that, I got my finance degree from Michigan State with an emphasis in accounting. Uh, When I got out uh, in the early '90s, uh, Michigan was going through uh, a major recession, so there was very it was the whole car, everything related to cars, Mm -hmm. uh, banking, industrial, all that. So there was not many opportunities there. So uh, I moved back home uh, to Maryland, and uh, from there, I got a job uh, working at a uh, distribution company, uh, Coca Cola. Uh, enterprises in the mid-Atlantic uh, area and I was a junior accountant and learned the, the the ropes, the starting and as I moved up from, I left there, I got more into healthcare because healthcare was starting to grow in the 90s mm-hmm. and I moved up into uh, a, uh, Fort, uh, a S&P uh, company and um, they were public and uh, I was the youngest regional controller there. And I had 13 uh, nursing homes slash subacute facilities under my accounting department. And uh, I merged uh, a group into uh, the company uh, of subacute from another uh, owner. And I moved up and I got to the point where I was the youngest and there was really no room for advancement at that time. So then I started going out and looking at other uh, healthcare practices. So I went to a dental practice company uh, a radiology practice, uh, both of those went through mergers and acquisitions as well, so I helped uh, integrate with them. And then at that point, I decided to move on to uh, um, getting some big five experience, or now, now it's like big four. So I went to Thanks. work for Del- Deloitte Consulting uh, and uh, was involved with um, cleaning up Fortune 500 accounting books, putting policy procedure manuals together. Um, and getting involved with uh, systems, um, both from uh, Lawson, which is mostly healthcare, um, and uh, Hyperion, which is a um, reporting tool that sits on top of um, um, uh, GL systems and consolidates and does a lot of analytical stuff. So after five over five years there, uh, I was on the road pretty much six days a week, was getting kind of old, wanted to start a family, um and so i went to work initially with at a boutique um cpa firm that was starting up their cfo consulting practice Mm -hmm. and after six months determined i could do this on my own so after a year there i left and started my own uh uh, business and i've been doing that for over 16 years now um i have uh two accounting managers that work through me now uh, a cpa that works through me doing uh uh, 10q and, and 10k uh, for a, a pink sheet company. Mm-hmm. Um, I predominantly deal with a lot of clients in healthcare. Of the 33 years of experience, I would say majority of it has been with healthcare companies. Okay. Um, I've dealt with a lot of physician practices, dental, radiology, um, pretty much uh, veterinary, uh, DDA providers, uh, HMOs, I've been involved with a lot of different companies and including on the healthcare manufacturing side, um, as well for equipment and all that. So there's a lot of different aspects I've gone into on the healthcare. So I have pretty much a great understanding of what I do. I predominantly deal with, uh, startups, but up to the large companies as, as I, as do, as I get involved with, but a lot of them are, uh, probably the average are between 5 million and about 25 million. Okay. Uh, is pretty much the sweet spot uh, for kind of more consistent maintenance and review and, and growing the company. Okay. Once they get to, uh, higher, then that gets to the point where uh, they usually sometimes bring in a CFO permanent. And then a lot of times I'll go in and do special projects. Um, if the CFO leaves, I jump in and, and help out and, you know, make sure things are moving forward. I've done right. a lot of cleanup at big companies. I do mergers and acquisitions where the, they don't have that specialty at a bigger firm, but right. the majority of it is, uh, in, in monitoring and maintaining the accounting
0: departments at, at medium-sized firms. Got it. So, you know, the numbers, man, yes. holy cow, you know, the numbers, I still struggle with the visuals of debit's credits. So <laughs> I know they have to match. Sometimes it's on the left side, sometimes it's on the right side. It's just anyway. So that's why we're talking to you about this and not me. So we're talking about staffing and like the, the, the numbers behind it. Um, I wanna kind of talk about the what and then some of the why, uh, cause, and I hopefully we'll keep this kind of really kind of simple, um, I know that's our goal. Um, so when it comes to staffing, like what are the essential financial numbers that a practice needs to know? And just as a prelude to listeners, I talk with every guest before we start recording and we, we talk about the topic a bit and so in the back of my mind it's like well i need to know what the total number is right because that's a big number and i learned pretty quickly there's a little bit more to it than that if you really want to have a a good finger on the pulse not to the point where you know it goes like 12 levels deep but there's clearly more than that so what are the essential financial numbers when it comes to staff that you advise private practice owners ought to know right? you know their accountants can tell them but they just you can't off. You got to know it yourself too. Absolutely, uh, you shouldn't rely on the CPA. You
1: should know it yourself. I hundred percent agree with that. So let's just take a step backwards, real quick, before I get into the into mm-hmm. the details. So from your chart of accounts structure, we'll just talk about the income statement. So you'll have your revenue, which is money you make, um, and that should specifically be direct revenue that you actually perform the services from. Then you have your cost of goods, which is your direct costs. Mm -hmm. And that is anything that is spent um, that drove that revenue, that direct Mm -hmm. revenue. And that the difference between the direct revenue and the cost of goods or the direct expense is your gross profit. And then Mm -hmm. that percentage of your gross profit dollar over your revenue is your gross profit percentage. Mm -hmm. So let's just stick to that section for now. Mm -hmm. Okay, in that cost structure, you have anybody who has who salaries uh te- payroll taxes uh we'll start with the the that part people have who are w-2s anybody who actually works and produces revenue should be in that direct cost section
0: so like so, if i go for an annual exam and a nurse draws blood as right. part of it
1: yes that would be that her her time that she spent her cost for that should be in that direct cost right um as so well as the her, needle there's the
0: gauze there's the vials that's the supplies yes so and there's her time from. as well right. because if she didn't show up i wouldn't have been able to complete my annual exam correct and Got if it. you
1: and if you have contractors that work there, so you have a nurse contractor in there mm-hmm. um or you know or therapy or all that 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 produced revenue that mm-hmm. also should be in your direct costs okay so anything that's direct cost related that generated a dollar of revenue should be in that section and it should be broken out that way. So all your salaries and taxes should be subtotaled. Your, if you use agency or con, so subcontractors that produce revenue, that should be a separate line. And then you should have all your direct costs that were used to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. So if you have administrative people or people who kind of do both because some people are I got a nurse and they do part admin of their time and part actual dealing with patient care then their time should be broken out and proportion their payroll taxes and benefits between those two areas okay so admin would be basically below your gross profit in the admin section for that person's time and their costs should be in the in the direct cost section okay and a lot of times i find when i deal with a lot of companies including a lot of healthcare, they they basically have people who do both and they do not break them out so what they end up doing is um it just messes up the gross profit percentage because the gross profit percentage should be very should be relatively consistent because it's a variable cost so as more revenue you produce, the the percentage of cost should be relatively the same. So if I add more admin costs in there, which is more of a fixed cost because I need it to, to run the operations, right? That, that messes up my gross profit percentage. Right. So as volume increases, my gross profit, my dollars of uh, direct costs will go up, but my gross profit percentage should be relatively consistent. And if it fluctuates dramatically, then
0: there's, then someone needs to figure out and research why that change occurred. So let me go back and ask you the question for our listeners benefit. The question I asked you that I mentioned a minute ago, if I know the total cost, so if my revenue is a million uh, and my, you know, I, my, I've got profit after every last expense is subtracted, staff being one of them, um, so that I'm going to pay taxes and I'm going to have a profit why do I need to break out that nurse's time the way you described? Because there's some complication to it, right? There's Absolutely. To make an estimate or whatever, but what's, what, why do I do, what's the benefit to me of going that, that extra step to know, you know, to, to know how much of that time, just to, to know right. what, what's going to stop because I'm not going to stumble all over it. <laughs> what's, yeah. Why why is my practice better off by doing that as opposed to not? So with your
1: with your direct cost, like I mentioned, it's variable. It matches up with your revenue. Mm-hmm. And that gross profit percentage should be stable and consistent. And that percentage, um, typically for for a lot of clients that I deal with are in the 50 to 55% range. Okay. Okay. So their their cost should be 50 55% of their revenue. Mm-hmm. And so that leaves them with a gross profit percentage between 50 and 45% roughly. Okay. So if they're consistent on how they apply their their people and where they work, then that percentage is a guide for them to understand that when things change, say volumes change, COVID impact, is impacts again, um, they get an increased uh, dramatic surge uh, of clients that percentage should relatively be stable so that they can monitor their profitability specific to what they generate in revenue now that if you co the two mm-hmm. you lose you lose that understanding of what is what they're doing on a revenue perspective and and cost perspective um, on the on the top line area and you're messing up your admin and your admin's fixed so, uh, a good efficient admin is around 20%. Okay. So, all my admin costs should be around 20%. Okay. So, if I do everything right um, on my admin costs, then I can better monitor and operate better using those numbers uh, and ratios to run my business. If I put everybody in salaries in one bucket, I don't, and I, ha- I really have no clue you know, who's really generating me revenue and who's really generating, who's just doing work administratively. And then what ends up happening is they'll find out they're end up spending too much on the admin side and having too much salaries, or they might be overstaffing and their
0: profit margin dwindles quickly. Okay. So, I mean, as you were describing this, I was thinking to myself, like, here's a scenario. So, um, because it gets to time, right? So if, uh, if there's two nurses, Nurse John and Nurse Jane, mm-hmm. and um, if, you, if you sort of divide up the, the cost of each and you find that Nurse Jane costs less because either she's getting more patients done or it's just she's more productive, mm-hmm. let's say, then you can look at that and say, hey, Jane, what are you doing that's different than John because you seem to be doing it better? And we've got a number that says, I mean, you you might know that anyway, I guess, if patients aren't around as long or just she's seeing more, it's not getting backed up in the office. Um, And you might see it anyway. But is that an example? Would that be an appropriate use of once you've got these numbers teased out? There's two
1: different things. There's the efficiency of the the staff member, because that's more of an operational review to say, okay, how many clients have you seen today how much revenue did you generate Mm -hmm. and what your cost is associated with that okay so that's to a certain person level and you can and a lot of companies have that statistics because people are clocking in clocking out and and monitoring their time very efficiently so they know how much they're actually spending dealing with client care um, and generating revenue versus doing administrative paperwork in the back Mm -hmm. so What ends up happening is a lot of uh, payroll systems and if the company is big enough and has their own payroll department, they basically will break out departments if they have multi facilities, if they have uh, one big facility, whatever, but they will have a person saying the nursing, so the nursing will have the direct cost piece for that facility and all their time when they swipe in and swipe out, dealing with the client's. Will be charged to the direct cost side, and then their ad, and their portion of their admin will be charged to a separate admin department for that mm-hmm. for that facility, or site. And then those information from is from that report. The accounting department takes that information, um, and basically records that transaction into the financial system. Right. And therefore, you're matching your revenue with your direct costs and
0: your admin costs. are are portioned uh correctly i would imagine maybe maybe you'll 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 tell me this is wrong but for the typical private practice um it would make sense to say nursing staff you are direct cost staff you are here to help deliver the services that we provide don't go up front don't do admin unless it's really necessary and admin staff maybe this is easy you're not qualified to go touch a patient or treat a patient so stay there Yeah. yeah So maybe that's the way to kind of do a clean break without like you know doing like the time tracking or the you know the how do you break down the the salary into this bucket versus that bucket. Right. Well there there's there's multitude
1: of issues. So if the the nurse for the most part the nurses will predominantly deal with the client care. Mm-hmm. So for the most part hunt nearly most 100%. But there are going to be nursing admin people who are having to jump in and deal with clients mm-hmm. and at the same time, they've got to do administrative overseeing the administrative staff of the nurses. Okay. So they're going to be more of the breakout where they're going to have to split between when they actually deal with the client versus mm-hmm. dealing with administrative stuff. But at the same time, if if there's multi sites and say nurse a has to do, has to be split between two sites mm-hmm then 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 it's more critical that they punch in at one site do their work punch out at the same site and then go to the next site and punch in and punch out so because if they if they don't the revenue you know the revenue will be booked to the two different sites but on the direct cost they might end up being in one site versus the other throwing off the site
0: profitability yeah. it's the best interesting do time tracking even if they're salaried just yeah. so that you you can Say so, you know, you're absolutely. Just, they, you're supposed they to be half and half, but you're really at each site, but you're really two thirds, one third. We need to look at that.
1: Right. And I have I have physician practices that, you know, the physician is the owner mm-hmm. um, and or they have multi owners. And I tell them they have to break out their time. So sometimes
0: they're not very happy to do that. Yeah. How do they react to this? Like you introduced this concept and I get the value of it because you really see with granularity revenues, expenses, profit. I get it. But. It you know there's administrative detail involved, and everybody rolls their eyes at that initially. Exactly. <laughs> so how do they react to this, and how do you get them over the hump to do it?
1: Well, there, there's there's most of them understand it when you discuss it with them, mm-hmm. and they understand the value of it, um, and so they go through the effort to break out their time, or at least determine how much time they spent doing client work versus administrative work, and they break down their timesheets. So the very difficult ones, and we have some physicians that are very difficult. What we try to do is we we try to ask them to do it for like a week or two, mm-hmm. um, and to get an understanding of how they spend their time mm-hmm. and where they spend their time, and so we can sit there and say, okay, you spend eighty percent of your time dealing with client and twenty percent dealing with admin, mm-hmm. and so we use that estimation to break out their their time okay their costs so then we can at least have a good rough estimate and then every either quarter or every six months we we have them redo it and say can you give us a you know did anything change you know maybe they're you know spending a lot more time in board meetings or administrative issues that are coming up versus dealing with clients or they want to shift their work from dealing with clients to more administrative then
0: we try to try to reevaluate that and reassess that and record that correctly. And do, do those clients of yours, do they have their staff go through the same exercise? Yes. So what are some like big findings that you, you have like pick a, you don't have to say the name of the client, but I'm really curious, like one where their time tracking showed, wow, we are out of whack. I'm curious like what that looked like and what they did.
1: Well, a lot of them, like I mentioned earlier, they, they wouldn't track direct costs versus admin. So they would just lump it all together. Right. I said, Look, I got on payroll and here's my taxes.
0: And but I mean, so-, so then they started tracking their time the way you, you want them to. And eventually they were, you know, the exercise of tracking for the purpose of analyzing it was done. So I'm curious, like what you found for like a client where you said, you know, you think your your splits are healthy, but they're really unhealthy. And here's what we found. I'm curious.
1: Correct. So usually at that time when they call me, they're 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 losing money and they don't understand why. Okay, and they, they see their numbers and that they're kind of clueless. Um, and so when we start ripping it apart and splitting it out, you know, we find Oh, you're overstaffing. Or, you know, on the on the direct side, or your your admins too heavy, why do you have all these admin people. Mm. And so then we have to reevaluate why we have those staff. And we either have to adjust them out or we have to cut You know, to get to the to the ratios
0: that we feel is necessary to run the business efficiently. Okay, interesting. And so that's that's like a client example. Recently, it was just I do this a
1: lot to clients.
0: Yeah, you do it to clients. (laughs) It's it's, it's
1: unfortunately a consistent issue because that you know the a lot of the CPA firms they just take the information um, from their from whatever accounting system they have, and they just put it all into a you know alphabetical um kind of summary compilation mm-hmm. of report so it just says here's your here's your revenue and lump sum and here's all your expenses in alphabetical order but and then here's your bottom line mm-hmm. but in regards to analytics and understanding how they're operationally efficient that's kind of that's not there right so by ripping it out and recording it in the correct way we, we can operationally understand what's going on and make adjustments accordingly.
0: Got it. So typical, uh, when you get called, it is, we're in the red and we, we just don't understand how or why. Right. Okay. Do you ever get people to say, you know, we're in the black, but we'd like to be better? We think we Yes, be I better. do,
1: but usually it's more the other way, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I unfortunately, I've had companies call me up and they're basically trying to b- barely make payroll.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know and when you start asking well do you have a credit line do you have any of this stuff and they go no we don't then it's like well you're pretty much going to have a very hard time turning it around because you can't just walk in and turn around in a day
0: mm-hmm.
1: it'll take you know it could take weeks it could take months depending on how big the the company is right. and how much you have to change okay and so if you're if you don't have a credit line you don't have any support and no funding you're, you're you've got about you got a big issue yeah and that's so, something that would have been called months ago before the yeah. that. And that's why I tell a lot of clients to do cash flow projections so they can see, you know, six months to a year in the future and roll it constantly to see, you know, where the bumps are on the road and if things are starting to cash is starting to go down. Mm-hmm.
0: Then that then we need to reassess what's going on. Yeah, had a, a guest recently who was getting pretty granular with that. I mean, she was even saying. She works a lot with, like, uh, speech therapists and occupational therapists. Mm-hmm. She's like, look, there are certain times of the year where it's slower. August, people go on vacation. you got to plan a dip because you have to know what's coming. It's chunky money. Um, yeah. What are good financial ratios? Like, I guess even for, like, the direct call, you sort of said them before, but let's dig into them. direct costs, admin costs.
1: Yeah, I, I shoot for 50%. Um, so my direct costs, I, 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 my aim is, like, 50% to 55% of my revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, And my admin, my goal, you know, if the company is really good, 20% is a good number. Okay. The admin cost should be 20% of my revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a younger, smaller company, it might get to 25%. And if it's a bigger, more efficient company, um, it could get down to 15%. Okay. Um, So that's kind of what I do. Um, So I look at those. Once I rip the thing apart, then we can look at it and say, hey, what's going on? So okay. sometimes I go into clients and um, we look at, you know, each, they have, they have multi-site uh, practices. Okay. So, you know, I look at the revenue, I look at the cost, and then you can compare multi-site and you'll see, oh, this one's really high. This one's really low. And then you can sit there and analyze why is one more efficient than the other. Sometimes they're just not, like I mentioned earlier, they're not, someone's moving back and forth. Mm -hmm. And they're not the ones getting charged the site, but then the other one's not Maybe they have too much over overtime. So then we have to address reducing the overtime, figuring out better staffing structures to keep the costs down, to keep their gross profit percentage in check. There's a lot of different things. And then when it comes to the cost, supply costs, is there other ways of reducing costs, you know, better vendor relationships, better reductions in, uh, you know, bulk versus, you know, the sure. way they're purchasing it and stuff like sure. that um, to, to keep the costs down as well.
0: Okay. So, um, well, we could go further, as I say to every guest, you know, but we're here, we're in the, the business of bite-sized advice for private practice owners in our Practice Care. So a couple of wrap-up questions. First, in the context of what we're talking about, is there anything you think I should have asked you but I just didn't expect listeners ought to know about? No,
1: just that it's very important, like you mentioned, to to make sure that the financials are representative of, of current operational uh, numbers. And so you can really look at it and understand, you know, is the company performing month to month
0: uh, on the way it needs to be? Yeah. I mean, one thing I particularly like about this topic is, um, at the end of the day, sounds cold, but it's about the profit. You're on a mission, Dr. X, to do good. Of course you are, but if you can't do it profitably, you won't be able to do it for anybody. And so in order to be able to do it long-term, the profit's got to be there. And there's two levels of profit. There's called gross profit, what you said. So there's that lab test. What's, you know, if, if you can get $100 for it and it costs $25 to deliver it between the nurse time and all the supplies, that's 75 That's really important to know. And then everything between 75 and what you pay taxes on is the rest. And probably staff cost is pretty big. So it's really important to know what's driving that and is that the right balance where it should be. So I love that. The other yeah. question that I ask um, everybody is, all right, so got somebody listening and they've been thinking, that they're thinking about the profitability of their practice. It's either not where it wants to be, they want it to be, or it's in the red. And we've caught their attention on this topic. Sometimes can people get stuck at the starting line? So if you could give them one or two pieces of like simple advice, simple things they could do to, you know, get off the starting line and get going down the path of figure out my profitability levels, where would you recommend they start?
1: Uh, There's a couple ways they can look at things. First, they pull their payroll reports Mm -hmm. and they go through person by person and determine is this person um, direct or this person admin? Okay, And they break out, make sure their departments are structured in a way that within the payroll system, that their direct costs are in one section, whether it's, you know, if it's multi site that they're in a specific site, if it's one site that they're all strictly direct and then they're admin is in a separate piece, if they like, we mentioned earlier, if they're two P, pe- if the one person is shared between admin and direct, are they breaking out their time? And if not, you need to talk to, to them as well as the, uh, as well as the payroll person to make sure that they're categorizing and breaking out their time. So okay. that the payroll taxes are also, and benefits are allocated correctly between. So yeah. that's that piece. And then with the contractors, um, you know, just make sure the contractors that are direct are in the direct side versus if you hire a consultant, that's a contractor. They're not being dumped into uh, direct.
0: They're sitting in admin. Right. And So take the names of all the staff and make three piles. Yep. They're involved with treating patients only. Pile two, they're involved in the administrative side of this practice only. Pile three, there's some sort of mix. Right. Break out the mix and total it all up and see what you get. Right. And then that's
1: how it should be portrayed onto
0: the financial report. Right. And then look at the 50% margin, look at the 20% margin and just you know use Ken's numbers as a starting point. You'll figure out what's best for you, but start there and just stare at it. Does it seem to make sense? And then, yeah, go from there. I love it. Excellent. Uh, Ken, thank you for coming on. Practice care. It's an important topic, kind of a complicated topic, but uh, hopefully we've demystified it at least a little bit. So thank you for coming on practice care. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much again. Yeah, so, yeah, we're going to put all of Ken's contact info uh, in the show notes for this episode. So anybody uh, who can caught your attention you want to contact him, you'll be able to do it easily. And a couple of points before we wrap up. First, if you have some experience on the business side of private practice, let's say you're a practice owner that you think others would benefit from, or if you are someone like Ken or I that seeks to serve private practice owners, either way, uh, we want you to come on Practice Care so that you can share your experience and your expertise with the world. In the show notes for Ken's episode, in every episode, there's a link, a couple of questions. Tell us what's on your mind so we can get you scheduled as soon as possible. And finally, we do a new episode every week. Please subscribe so that you can stay up to date. You'll be notified. We are on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, Amazon, just about every player and platform. We're also on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so that you can stay up to date easily. Thanks very much. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Practice Care with Carl White. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss another episode. You can find our guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.